Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 184, I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brent Wingate. And on this week's episode, we're going to talk about episode four of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and whether or not Super Serum might be right for you. Uh, There are some regularly scheduled uh, comic book issues Uh, Plus, the X-Men had an election. Uh, Aquaman 2 got a cast member. Peter David is back, and he is out for blood. And we're also going to go to the rumor mill for a possible Disney Plus show. And of course, you thought you were safe, but Clark's got something. Watch out. So uh, before we get into our discussion, just a little housekeeping. Uh, You should follow us on Instagram at Home Superior Podcast, because we are going to start launching some fun new content there that you can only find in a visual medium. Um, Plus, uh, personal news, I got a vaccine this week. um, And I feel terrible. I am so tired. All right, let's talk. What did you get? I got the uh, Moderna. Okay, Uh, that one's supposed to be the one that kills you. Buckle up, bitch. No, well, J&J is the one that kills you. But buckle up for that second dose. And that's the one I got, J and J. So I'm going to be dead at the end of this podcast. You're going to get well. I'm, it's I'm not uh, sure. I'm not sure I actually got Moderna because it was like some knockoff brand, like Moderna, and so Murderer, yeah. Murderer is what it was called. <laughs> yeah, they gave it to me in a spoon, so I hope that it's a real vaccine. <laughs> well, they All burned right. it first and then injected it into you. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Okay, so Woo! we have another episode without the power the power broker, but we do get a lot more of the Dora Milaje doing what they do best, deflating the egos of overconfident white men. Uh, we also got to watch Sam flex his Captain America muscles, uh, Battlestar got refrigerated, and John Walker went a little mad with power. So uh, in this episode, uh, you know, it kind of explored some more of the philosophy of the characters and continue to explore some of the real world parallels. Um, There's an attempt to reason with a radicalized group of supremacists. There's a very public display of violence from someone who is supposed to be the best of us. And there's discussions about historical justice and how the symbol of the shield, you know, represents justice to some and exclusion to others. Do any of these themes kind of resonate with you? And is the show kind of giving you the amount of depth you like? Uh, Kaylin. Yeah, absolutely. I'm every episode that comes out. I love the show a little bit more. Uh, obviously, it's a very fun show. The the uh, banter and the action are fantastic, but the themes are really great, especially when uh, you had Sam and Bucky, you know, talking again uh, about um, what's her name? Is it uh, Carla? I can never Carly. remember. Carly. Thank you. Where, you know, Sam is giving her motivation. It's like, look, you know, during the blip, during this five years, you know, like borders were porous. People like welcomed refugees or they welcomed people from other countries to come and help and rebuild or build an infrastructure. And then we went back to, you know, the status quo uh, rather recently. And then like everything is kind of going back to what it was pre-blip. And so her motivations make a lot of sense. I also really like that Sam like leaned into uh, like the first time we saw him in Winter Soldier uh, of like, he is, you know, part of the VA. He deals with soldiers that have PTSD 
And he's like, let me go and try to talk to her first. Let's not go guns a blazing. Like, I like that diplomacy is his first uh, instinct, uh, which is a nice contrast from John Walker, who is a complete hothead who wants to go in with like his shield, like, you know, flailing everywhere. And we see the consequence of him taking the super ser- uh, soldier serum and him like, you know, completely losing control. Brian? Yeah, I agree. Um, the world building is so good in this. I was not expecting it to expand this far, especially to Wakanda. I know that happened last week, but still, it's like, it's so fun to see a larger world and a more detailed world, kind of uh, sort of what the street level stuff we were looking for a while ago with like Daredevil and some of the other stuff. Um, it, it's, it's really interesting, and I, I, I really do like it a lot. With that all said, um, John Walker is so cranked up on something before. Adam, okay, Adam, he's not on this podcast right now because we voted him off of it, much like an island. But he he did bring up a good point of why is John Walker so fucking cranked up? Was he on just like aggressive steroids before it? Like, why is he so angry? They. Uh, I- they they were talking he and Battlestar when they were having the you know talking about Afghanistan and everything and trying to figure out like you know a way to um I mean he he didn't like what he had become over there in terms of just like I don't know not war crimes but the way he had to do things because he was told to do them um that I think he's kind of overdone it on this end in order to seemingly make things right according to his eyes Right. I, I think that, uh, uh, I think um, there's a there's also been a very good build um, that will be easy to see if you go back and watch all the episodes that he is out of control. He does not he does not have the situation managed. He's never at the front. Mm-hmm. He's always having to introduce himself as John Walker, Captain America. He is just trying to hold himself together because he is consistently failing. Kaylin. Yeah, just adding to what both you and Clark said. He also has imposter syndrome. Like he is, he's got some very big boots to fill. He's got a shield to, to be able to try to fit into. And he clearly does not have the gravitas of Steve Rogers uh, or anything like that. And he feels like he has to now overcompensate for, for all of that. So I think that's a huge, huge part of it. Clark? Plus his signature just looks like crap when he does it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so stupid. It, it, it's weird that no, there, there's nobody telling him what to do either in terms of like, in, in, in terms of government or anything. Like, I mean, I mean, Captain America would do his own thing because that's who Captain America was. But in this case, this is someone who's literally owned by the government, basically. Like you'd see, you'd think one, someone would say, this is, you know, these are your orders, not just, hey, bud, go do something. <laughs> and he just randomly does it. That's what it seems like they just kind of gave him a shield and said, just do something. <laughs> um, so do you guys think that this uh, human, there's like some parts of John Walker that I think are really nicely humanized, especially when after being defeated by the Dora Milaje that he's like, they weren't even super soldiers. And to me, that kind of, that humanism of, there are these superpowered beings that are crashing around my world. And you feel so helpless to stop them, even if you're the person who's supposed to do it. I felt a lot of sympathy for that character, and it makes his transformation so much more interesting. 
Caleb? Yeah, I think what the show has done really well is um, showing that almost all these characters have shades of gray to them. They're not completely good. They're not completely bad. You see Zemo's point of view. You see Carly's point of view, uh, the Flag Smasher's point of view. The only one we haven't seen, of course, is the Power Broker because he or she is off screen. And my prediction is we will see them at the uh, end of episode six in the post credit sequence uh, to uh, 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 preview whatever is coming next in the Marvel Universe, Marvel's Cinematic Universe. That's a Kalen prediction. Ryan. Uh, real quick, um, there has been some speculation that uh, there's going to be a big cameo reveal um, on the fifth episode, which is okay. going to be the one coming up this week. So, I mean, unless it's Sharon Carter wearing a Captain America outfit, like it feels like it's someone that we may be already pre-existing now. But this is all speculation. This is all dark web that I'm going on. You know what I mean? It's ne- it never it should never be trusted, you know? But I mean, uh, it's just going to be some astrophysicist or something. <laughs> some dude named Josh. Yeah. True. Um, so I've been having issues with, I think I'm supposed to believe in Carly or at least understand Carly more than I do. When, when she's talking with, um, with Falcon and he basically kind of accidentally or tricks her into saying that she s- views other people as just like speed bumps to what she wants. And basically saying, I will destroy anybody in front of me to get what I want. I'm like, no, this person is a villain. I don't care how like white I- her ideas are. No, she is not even gray. She's just fucking black as shit. I can't stand, absolutely can't stand her. And the whole, uh, it pisses me off. The, unrelatedly but relatedly the fact that like she murders Battlestar but like they they all go in with knives to like you know kill Bucky and kill John Walker and all these things and then they kill one and they're like oh no what did we do and they had to like run away and I'm like no you guys your plans were to murder these people like maybe you should you know stop get off some weird high horse that you have and um die for me I'm glad I'm glad John Walker slashed that guy's head off or whatever he did <laughs> He, no. uh, he, I was he, so he, happy. I loved seeing. I loved seeing Carly looking at it. And I was like, "Fuck you, bitch!" Fuck he crushed. You. He crushed Watch his chest. Die. He crushed I, his I chest the same way that them. Captain America crushed I, I just, Iron Man's chest. I hate some sort of hip. It's just such hypocritical bullshit watching them, and it pisses me off. I, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I, I disagree a lot. Um, uh, Carly is way more likable than John Walker is. Carly is with uh, uh, Zemo's way more likable than <laughs> fucking uh, John Walker. Oh, Zemo's too. great. I mean, yeah, he he's a dream. Um, uh, but I disagree. I I think we're supposed to root for these people on purpose. So maybe it's just good editing on my like on their part. But I I'm falling for it a little bit. Oh, I'm not at all. I'm I I don't understand how anyone could think like oh, my worldview is so important that the three billion people that just came back don't matter enough to me to warrant how my worldview has has to necessarily change. Yeah, well, okay, so a question then. Um, to me, the, the thing that all the other characters kind of understand about Carly's motivation is that she wants to get back to the way things were before. Maybe her method is kill half of the population which is bad but what she really wants is open borders 
And I think that the other characters can kind of understand, yeah, you were living this hard life for five years. I understand the emotions you have, but the ends don't justify the means. And I think the thing that I like about it is that, you know, for, uh, you know, Bucky in this specific episode actually says that Zemo is a means to an end. And I really hope that the show has a strong criticism for all of the superhero characters who like to bend or break the rules ethically in ways that the movies and TV shows like to, you know, kind of paste over to point out, no, that's not, it's still not a good thing what you're doing. Yeah, no, I think that's a really, that's a really, really good point. Um, Because, you know, this show is also compared to like a lot of espionage, like shows and movies over the last 20 years, 24 being a really popular one. And there you had Jack Bauer like completely like disregarding like the Geneva Convention, you know, even in one season went up against Amnesty International as the as they were the bad guys uh, because his ends justified the means. So I'm really glad that it does put that kind of stuff in a very, very negative light. And you have someone like Sam who tries to find the diplomatic solution, as I mentioned before. He's like a true humanist and he they're really very nicely setting him up to be the heir uh, of Steve Rogers. Like that has got to be like the, the, the culmination of this season. If it's not, I'm going to be, I'm going to be kind of disappointed. I think I'm having trouble just not buying it, but I, I, the, that whole, the concepts are so heady that I start thinking over them in terms of the real world, not in terms of what the real world in their world is. So that's why I'm struggling so much with it. Like, I think maybe her means make sense in her world, but I, I, like the whole thing, I was like, three billion people just came back from the dead. Obviously, in our world, that would be, we wouldn't be, it would just be totally different than what they are doing here. And it's, I don't know. My, my common sense in my world is different from common sense in that world. Well, I definitely think there's something that's a little bit odd about the parallel. You know, it, you can't draw um, a one-to-one connection to our world. For example, you know, they've set up these kind of like discussion of supremacy and how we've got these radicalized groups that are trying to uh, change dramatically change the makeup of our planet. And, you know, when we talk to people, we think about people like QAnon or whatever, people who have kind of fallen down some sort of rabbit hole. We're often thinking about how do we pull people who haven't jumped over the cliff to being like full neo-Nazis to being like, who are really actually going out and murdering people. Instead, we think of like our family members who are confused and disoriented, but Sam is really arguing with the person who is the weapon. I mean, they are the most dangerous entity in this. And so it's a little bit too, to me, for me, it's a little bit too uh, hand wavy to try and deal with this as, as if she didn't just like murder three people and like injure 12 in a horrific bombing. Yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'm, I'm really glad that at, towards the beginning of the episode when all the flag smashers are like in that cemetery and they're getting all the news reports of like what happened with the GRC in the previous episode, they actually highlight like one person who had only been on the job for like three days, like he was a new father, he's a husband, all that, like um, clearly trying to like try to put a human face on their, on what the flag smashers did. So it's not just a bunch of red shirts that they killed off you know, or people who are, you know, ostensibly evil because they've signed up with the GRC because they view them as a sinister organization. These are actual human beings. So again, I, I, I appreciate the shades of gray because yes, Carly is not a hero, 
but she's not like a villain in like the traditional sense. I think she is very much, you know, she believes what she's doing is right. Like it does fit in with, you know, the, some of the best Marvel villains that exist uh, in the comic universe. And I think they're doing a really nice job of like bringing that in, into the MCU. Right. Yeah. It's definitely like, <laughs> it's the closest you can write your villain to being understandable when they, you know, that old school villain is like, I just want to destroy half the world for no reason uh, while giving them some like internal motivation that, you know, maybe makes a little bit more sense in universe. Um, One thing we haven't talked about, uh, I think enough. So one of the black supporting characters, Lamar Hoskins, AKA Battlestar was killed while fighting the Flag Smashers. What do you guys think of this decision for the show? Does this seem just like a woman in the refrigerator type scenario? You know, are there ways you'd improve it? And how do you think the real Steve Rogers Captain America would have responded in this situation? Uh, Caitlin. Well, he did. He was in that situation when Bucky was killed in the first movie. So he didn't go on a murdering rampage. Uh, He just kept fighting the good fight um, over in you know, uh, uh, Axis occupied territory during the, the Second World War. Um, I struggle with this a little bit because I've had like offline conversations with all of you about it. Um, you know, there needed to be something of a catalyst for John Walker to like completely lose it. Uh, and a death is, you know, the, the simplest and easiest way to get there. Uh, I thought uh, Lamar Battlestar was such a, he was such an interesting character in the handful of episodes we saw. Like, I wish we got to see more of him. And if um, I had a problem with the fact that they did this to a black man, uh, but because the lead is black, Sam Wilson, and they deal with certain themes like the stuff with Isaiah in the second episode, um, you know, it's a little bit more forgivable, but it's still like you've still refrigerated a minority to get another character to a certain point you want to in the plot. And it, it doesn't sit well with me, but I don't know how, how I'd fix it. I, I mean, that's the problem with refrigeration, refri- refrigerating a character is that, I mean, it's awful, especially when they do it to obviously people of color, women, gay people, etc., but in, it's a thing that happens in basically all movies and television shows and books and everything else. Someone's relative's going to die. Someone's girlfriend's going to die. Someone's boyfriend's going to die. It's always going to be the lead's relative or significant other or somebody. So it's going to happen. I don't really know how to make that not be a trope that has existed since, I don't know, something, something BC. I, I don't think we can do anything about it. It's going to happen. We can try our best to make it I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you how to fix it. Um, I do. It is important to note that it wasn't just some white dude murdering a black guy. Thank God. It was a woman of color (laughs) killing him. So it's a slight point. That's a little better. I don't know if that's better or just different bad. But I don't know. I really don't know what to say because we've talked about refrigeration so much that I don't I don't know another option. Ryan, you, you, yeah, it's no, you're, I mean, you're right. It's a cliche, but I mean, when someone gets murdered in front of your eyes, I think it does have just lasting effects and it might change you as a person. So it's, it's, it's that double-edged sword of like, is, is this 
good to do or is it not? And I think it was done for the most part pretty well. Um, but I'm still mad about it. Can I be that uh, way? Yeah. <laughs> Brent? <laughs> so I think that, you know, it's something that's ultimately unavoidable and there will always be a shade of refrigeration going on. I think that there are a couple of ways that you can fix it. One is by uh, uh, filling out the character more so that their death is actually like more meaningful that Lamar isn't just like the friend of uh, John Walker, that he is this own entity in his own right with his own agency. And there's a little bit of you know conversation that they have that I think helps that, but he basically just kind of hovers around John Walker, which isn't great. Another way of helping address it is, are you filling other roles with um, people of color, women, Mm. that are also full. So having the Dora Milaje show up, I think was good. I worry that they might become a little bit too one note, we're badasses. But I do think that their interaction with Bucky really helped ameliorate that to show that there's also like a sensitivity and a care and a lot of uh, understanding they have by giving that like, by by helping him and also giving him the eight hours. Um, and then lastly, I think the, you need to make the deaths seem um, like a consequence of prior actions uh, or related to them. And I thought it was very smart to have a conversation between Sam and Carly, where he said, where she says, you don't have the shield. I don't want to kill you. It doesn't, doesn't serve my purpose. That's not what I'm trying to do. And the idea kind of going back through like some of the MCU history of like, I think it was mentioned in Ant-Man, where they're talking about using the suit and you've got to learn the difference on like how to pull your punches so you don't just barrel through and kill a person. And there's a certain sense in which I think that combined like that super serum idea plus the the not wanting to kill people, like we wanna, yeah, we wanna get you out of our way, but we're not trying to murder you. And so when it gets escalated to that point, it's like, you know, kids are, who are playing in the street and one of them gets pushed too hard and their head hits the concrete and everyone freaks out because you might have actually been genuinely mad at each other, but like that went way too far and you really feel like there's a, a palpable difference there. Um, I, I think you're right, Kalen, that there is a little bit of a problem, but there's enough balance that ultimately I don't know that I, I hate the decision. It is necessary. Kalen? I just thought of a way to fix it without killing uh, Battlestar. Uh, and it, it ties into uh, the Dora Milaje, as you mentioned. Um, if you remember, you know, John Walker was humiliated by them in that beautiful hotel suite. And he's even like, they weren't even super soldiers. What if after he took the serum, he still gets his ass kicked by like Carly and like some of the other flag smashers. And that just enrages him to like take, take uh, you know, like that like sort of like next step of like, going way too far. He didn't need the motivation of seeing his best friend getting killed. It's just the motivation of him being humiliated one time too many. It, it feeds into his, you know, uh, his insecurity, his fear of not, you know, uh, uh, being at the same level as Steve Rogers. You know, I think that would have been a much more um, interesting and less predictable choice. Well, the other thing I think that um, Battlestar is kind of a, a Lamar is kind of a, um, you know, angel on his shoulder that he if by losing him sadly um is like the last cut to you know the last thing holding him back from becoming who this is 
Also, I think I have a feeling that perhaps that U.S. agent, when he has the serum, is going to become unfucking stoppable and they want him as sort of the big bad for the variant. So if he just gets fucked up again, I think While he's on it. they don't have their big finale. So that's the only reason why they're not doing that. But I agree that would be a way more interesting story, Kalen. But mm-hmm. I think he has to be the big bad at the very, very end. Um, so that that is not possible right now. Yeah, I, I hope I don't I don't know if I want the, him to be a big bad. I kind of like the idea that he has in the comics of being like this overly hyper aggressive hero. He still thinks he's doing the right thing, but he's doing it the wrong way for sure. Um, let's wrap up with our. Uh, which is uh, now recurring segment, our gay question of the week. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should Baron Zemo be gay? Yes. I And I'll tell you why. Um, he said, um, aggressive, but I get it. And I was like, okay, because I think I've said that before too. So I just, I saw a lot of myself in that one line, you know what I mean? Um, when he was getting tied up on uh, some radiator or, or like whatever the fuck it was, you know what I mean? Yeah. We've all been there. I mean, I, I think that as a villain, he does something that a lot of actors wish they were doing when they were playing villains, which is have panache. <laughs> and there is a certain style to him that is definitely homosexual, uh, like enjoying Turkish delights, for example. Um, I just wish he was gay. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe he is. Maybe they, they'll, they'll retcon that too. I'm actually kind of glad he's not. I'm like, uh, he's just, he's got a little bit of a flair to him, but he didn't need, he doesn't need to be queer coded. I think there's too many villains, even though he's kind of more of an anti-hero in the show, who are too queer coded. I'm like, he's just a guy that likes the finer things in life and he's kind of a sassy bitch, but he also happens to like sex with women. And fur coats. Yeah. And fur coats. He's, ro- he's literally royalty. Of course he loves fur coats. I agree. When I read it, I thought it was, I said, should Baron Zemo be gay? But I thought it was like, you know, should he be gay? In terms of like, yeah, why Why not? Yeah, he should be gay, sure. Oh, you mean yeah. like happy? Should he be yeah, happier? I mean, yeah. yeah, should he be happy? He is free he's now. He's pretty he happy. He's happier. pretty happy. He's, he's climbing through toilets. Yeah, talk pretty about a, gay. a comedy of error style. Everyone's fighting. And then he just sneaks out like Homer <laughs> in the bushes. <laughs> Good job, him. All right, uh, moving on. Let's uh, let's talk about some of this week's comics. Kalen, I think you uh, are a person who knows about them. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm co- Comic Sans over here. Uh, so we had four comics this week. So the first two in the non-X-Men, in the more cosmic part of the Marvel Universe, we've got Thor number 14 by Donny Cates and Nick Klein, and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number 13 by Al Ewing, and new artist Juan uh, Frigeri. Uh, it sounds like like fridging like uh, a character frigeri I'm, I'm hopefully i'm hoping I'm, I'm pronouncing that correctly so thor 14 of course was the culmination of the prey storyline that's been la- that's lasted over the last few months uh and guardians of the galaxy number 13 set up sets up a new status quo where they are not just heroes but superheroes of the galaxy and an unofficial part of the new uh galactic alliance uh that's out there um so Asking all of you, what did y'all think about, first of all, Thor, what did y'all think about the finale to Prey? And did you think um, Donald Blake's fate was worse than what Odin had planned for him? 
I mean, I I'm, love I'm, that I'm, bait because that is what happens to Loki in the mythology. Yeah. Is Snake hovering over him, like, but but except he has like his wife trying to like constantly keep the poison from getting into his eyes, but she fails yeah. a lot. Yeah. Ryan, are you, are you able just to like be like, um, uh, you're the god of mischief now? Are you able just to pass off the terms <laughs> like that? I was well, quite shocked. I was like, "Well, I'm the god of thunder now." Then fuck all of you. Like, it it was it was quite shocking that I don't know if that was metaphoric or like it was actually passing it on. No. You never was- know. You never know in a Thor comic, though. Sometimes you're just sort of like, "Is that a real thing or no?" Caleb, uh, what do you think? I liked that this issue showed that Thor isn't just a hero and a warrior, but he has to be a monarch. Mm-hmm. And when Odin is about to like pass the sentence that Donald Blake is welcoming, he wants oblivion. He wants death. And Thor goes, "Not nah, old man. I'm the king now. I'll handle this. You can get the fuck out. And he's like trying to figure out what to do. And he like, he defers to Loki of all people. Loki, help me out here. And Loki gives him the punishment that he's had for, you know, eons. Uh, to Clark's point, uh, I thought that was a really nice turn of events, right? Yeah, the uh, passing of the uh, you're the god of mischief now reminded me of Avengers Endgame when Thor passes the uh, the monarchy to Valkyrie. And I'm like, guys, just have a democracy finally. Jesus Christ, <laughs> stop passing this down. Yeah. Clark. True. I felt like I agree agreed with odin in this case yeah I like, I mean, same he should have just been murdered the right? choice here why why are why? you deciding this thor what like literally why i because agree he, was, he doesn't give any explanation for why he wants to do something other than it it's just that he's like well talk i'll talk to you later dad and like it's pissed off at him I'm like no. totally this, yeah. was a, this was a better decision for everyone involved this was a better decision it was definitely uh funny to me that Thor's like, uh, 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 I decide. So what should I do? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, I did think that was a funny flex. I also, it's not clear to me how being the god of mischief is a punishment, but I do understand that he needs an unconventional punishment because it's not Donald Blake's fault he was created into this world. It's not fault his fault he went absolutely batshit insane in the root of Yggdrasil. Uh, that's on Odin. Punish Odin as like, Tie them together or something. I don't know. We need a we need one of those wacky judges who, you know, assigns crazy punishments. Judge Judy, got it. Um, all right. So moving on to Guardians of the Galaxy number 13, we see the team being more like much more official as a team than they ever have been for. You know, uh, for the first 12 issues, you saw them kind of split up into two different teams. Um, uh, I thought some really nice elements happened, uh, including uh uh, which quasar should be used to like you know go in on like the sort of the the proto scroll like the like the fire worshippers i thought that was really neat and i also loved the conversation between like richard Ryder and super scroll of like hey i don't work for you but can you tell me like where all the shit's happening because i still need to go do it uh i i liked a lot of that dynamic and i think they're definitely playing into some of the, the politics of uh this new galactic alliance clark you need a question brent yeah, uh, well, it was just about the the villains who are kind of attacking this planet are these extra galactic type two world mind level civilization 
things, the progenitors. Uh, the world mind level civilization is, was that a distinction Hickman made? Yeah. Uh, and that this is like bleeding over to that? Because if it so, is. I love it. It is. I remember Al Ewing is also writing an X book, Sword. So he's definitely like, I think there's gotcha. a lot of like, like cross pollination happening between like the, the major architects of Marvel, Al Ewing and Jonathan Hickman being two of them. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. Clark? Um, this has this is the best issue of Guardians for me since um, Abnet and Lanning. Well, how many years ago? Ten years ago now. Like it, yeah. it feels like it should be part of that series. Like I, I don't know. It's so well done. There's so many characters, but their voices are all right. It's interesting, dynamic. I like the Super Scroll playing Cosmo. Um, <laughs> it's very enjoyable. Yeah, Ryan. I I completely agree. It's uh. It was so refreshing. They have such a clear mission statement. And sure, is it generic? We're going to be superheroes? Yes. But I, somehow it works. It, it reminds me of a lot of the times when the Avengers just blew out the rosters like so much or the X-Men or some or like just so many like different uh, character teams like through the years, just like really were like, we're just going to use everyone and shut up. Like it, it felt nice. Characters can get their like moments whenever. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed a lot of people. I did have a few questions just in terms of stuff. Um, well, when Wiccan was made, I love that he's part of this team now, but when he was saying, he said, Oh crap, make a shield, make a shield. Why did he not make a giant crap shield around <laughs> that's exactly him? what I thought too. Because that's I how his powers were Covered in shit. Yeah, no, why, I was, why, I'm yeah, why was it not just a brown-ass shield around him? Which I was confused <laughs> about. Brown shield? Yeah, yeah. And also, this isn't more, it's not a question, but I just would like to create a, a gay bar called Rimworld. You know, when we get back to a more normal world, yeah. we, it should be called Rim World. At oh, and you need to know when that's collapsed. Oh, man. Oh, oh. Man. yeah. And you better not be using a crap shield because you will not be let in, honestly, you know? Ryan, is Rimworld right next to a black hole? Because if it isn't, it needs to be. Oh, bitch. Let's create a sub-market in D.C., Kaylin. You can, you can create black hole. Market. I'll have Rim World. There you I'm go. So, so, uh, Last time when we talked about Guardians, uh, you know, I said I loved Juan Cabal's art so much. And then when we saw the preview for issue number 13, which was the cover, I was like really worried about what the art was going to be. So I'm very, very pleased to say that Juan Frigeri's art was nice. And the cover artist was actually Brett Booth uh, yeah. because uh, it looked super like like dated 90s old school, not in a great way. And I'm really glad that he is not a regular artist. So I'll just say that. Well said. All right. So so uh, moving on to our X-Books this week, we had Children of the Atom number two and Wolverine number 11. Children of the Atom, of course, is by Vita Ayala and Bernard Chang. And Wolverine number 11 is by regular writer Benjamin Percy with guest artist Scott Eaton. So really quickly in Children of the Atom 2, we see the kids going to try to go to the Dazzler concert at Webster Hall, which is like one of the few like actual concert venues I've been to in New York. So that made me really happy. Uh, they see that Hell's Bells are back. They try to go fight them. Um, Storm and a handful of uh, the mutants basically come and offer sanctuary to both Hell's Bells and to the Children of the Atom, saying y'all can come to Krakoa. Hell's Bells take them up on the offer. The children do not because there's still the mystery of whether they are mutants or not. So my opening question for you is, do you think the gate stuff like would have had more of an impact if we hadn't seen it in Marauder already, specifically with Kate? I know there was a specific reason 
why Kate can't go through that she is still a mutant, but I feel like some of that impact is lost a little bit, but I, I, I want to hear from y'all. Ryan? Yeah, uh, I can. Yes. The, the answer is a thousand, a thousand percent. Yes. Um, because we, we've already seen that. Yes. As you talked about, but also if it would be more shocking if we found out that they were mutants at this point, am I wrong mm-hmm. in that feeling? Because it's, it's so clear that they're just like, every time someone shows up, they're like, Oh, just come through this gate with me. And they're like, no, 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 no. Like I, I have to go to the bathroom or something. Like, no, <laughs> talk to me like, and you're like, at this point, it's so obvious uh, that it's not fun anymore. I don't, I, and this is only the second issue. With that said, I still like this issue a lot. I think it's super fun. I think the characterization is really great. Uh, it was fun to know some of the backstory for Gabriel. I, re- I really liked uh, that. Was that was one of the best? As someone who loves teen comics, that was one of the best, like sort of like dialogue over comics backstory that I've seen in a while. I really enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was super fun. And um, because I like to quote uh, comics so much, because I know dialogue is such a big thing in comics and a lot of people don't pay attention to it on how it's phrased specifically, but like I really concentrate on it. Um, my favorite thing that really spoke to me, and this isn't a surprise, uh, Dazzler gave me hope when things were really bad. And I, I because honestly, true bitch, <laughs> when I was depressed, I read Dazzler comics back in the day. So I, I, re- I really enjoyed this issue. Uh, right. Did you did you like the uh, Dazzler poster, uh, the black and white? You, you mean the one I have? Yeah, I yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one that hangs over your bed. Um, <laughs> so, I I thought this was a fun issue. The going back to having this kind of storyline introduced with Kate, you've created a mystery element. Why can't you get through the door? And the way that a mystery has to progress is either the characters make some decision that makes the mystery irrelevant or the mystery begins to unfold in some direction. And so I think that, you know, the thing that really worked for Marauders was that Kate can't get through the door. She kind of accepts it. And then what's her life supposed to be now that she is not the same on the same level. We'll put answering that question on the back burner. Let's follow her journey. In this case, we're, it's only the second issue, so who knows where it could go. But I think it would, probably would have been wise to have us, like, testing things, like, checking things off a list to say, like, hey, they're not, like, they've tried to get through the door this way or that way. They're actually doing stuff that doesn't work so that you can see the attempts and failures and at least feel like you and your mind are actually participating in the discovery of why can't they get through the doors. Clark? Um, Vita's writing is great. I like these characters a lot. My issue is that this whole thing seems very Rachel Dolezal of just like a bunch of people trying to become empowered, but by becoming empowered by pretending to be a minority group. It's very strange to me. And I I think it's, I mean, I, I like everything, but I also think it's kind of disgusting. Like this is supposed to be about people you know cosplaying as mutants but this isn't cosplaying in the real world this is taking advantage of a minority community so um that's an interesting point and um you know that's sort of been in the back of my mind but vita being who they are 
being a person of color, uh, being non-binary, I don't think that they would um, do something without, you know, tackling the sensitivity around it. So there might be an in-story reason of why this is happening. And it may not be, it, it may not be even, um, you know, saying that this was a good idea. If they are truly non-mutants, you know, cosplaying as mutants. Um, there, there might be like repercussions there. So I'm willing to see where the story goes. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing, one thing I will say, I really, I think Vita has a nice, does a nice job with the existing like X characters. Uh, I, I think they get the voices down very, very well, specifically Storm, Mystique, uh, when Captain America, Captain Marvel and Iron Man come and like that conversation, I was like, this is the shit I want to see in the Marvel universe. It's like, it's like, you know, when uh, uh, Captain America keeps calling her Aurora, it's like, call me Storm. Call me motherfucking Storm. Like, oh my God, that was so, so good. And like, then, you know, we talked about this, about the first issue, like of the the whole, like, sort of like the, the, the Kamala's Law with like out, the outlaw storyline that's been happening in Champions and other books. Like, I think um, all that stuff is just playing up so nicely. And the Marvel Universe feels more cohesive in a really good way than it has in a long time. Clark? I do want to say that for the second um, issue in a row, my favorite character is, um, he used to be um, Daycrawler, now he's Nighty Nightcrawler. <laughs> he's like Iceman if he was just like the stupidest kid ever created, which I quite enjoy. Indeed. Well, I, I will add uh, the fact that they keep trying to change their names uh, to me is quite humorous, uh, especially given our new upcoming episode of uh, Vicky and Kiana talking more, which will feature Vicky trying to get through the names of some of these characters. Uh, love that. Love that preview. So let's talk quickly about Wolverine number 11. Um, the reason why I've been enjoying Wolverine up to this point is I think Benjamin Percy's a good writer, even though Logan is not my favorite character. And the art usually has been stellar. You, both Victor Bogdanovic as well as um, um, uh, Adam Kubert have done just a phenomenal job. Scott Eaton is a perfectly competent artist, but like it's clearly fill-in uh, and it looked filled like a fill-in. Like it just was like, okay, not, it didn't look wonderful. It didn't have that dynamic flair that both Kubert and Bogdanovic bring. And also this book just, especially this issue, just feels like an extension of X-Force because there's a reference to X-Force uh, number 15 when they put in that, uh, whatever that device is into Omega Red uh, so he can go and infiltrate uh, the vampire nation. And I, 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 I just, I don't understand the rationale for this book anymore. And I, besides sales, I think it's doing pretty well because it's Wolverine. Uh, I just wish it was just part of X-Force. Brent? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing deeply offensive to me about it, but there is a certain feel that it's like, uh, you know, it's like a movie that comes on TNT on a Sunday when you're hungover. Uh, it's like not, it's not bad, but it's not incredible. It's something I'll watch. It's just, it's on and yeah, okay. What, what's Wolverine doing today? I guess he's fighting vampires and mosquitoes cool this is fine I yeah I, it doesn't it doesn't excite me it's not I'm not gonna you know write home about it but um because it's not the 40s um but <laughs> there's nothing like there's nothing that I really that gets me amped up or makes me want to tell other people you've got to you've got to start reading the storyline Clark 
So Louise, the um, vampire hunter woman, is clearly the best character of 2021, right? The um, moment anything happens to her, I'm like, I, I don't care. You can, you can, you can turn the page, please. She can turn the fucking page for me because she is not interesting, and I don't. Um, the Wolverine issues are better, even though I didn't like the Maverick issues. That that's better than this. This means nothing to me. This is an old repurposed Blade comic, and yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm mad about it. And uh, I, for a, a bunch of reasons, but uh, one that sticks out in my brain is, th- so everyone is skeptical of Omega Red, but motherfuckers on Krakoa have Sinister walking around. He's doing some shady shit. They have Mystique turning into who who knows what the fuck magneto's on the goddamn council like no one cares about anything but they're like omega red you have really fucked up meanwhile Sabretooth is in i don't know what the fuck he's in like stasis in some weeds downstairs like it's <laughs> why why are we concentrating so much on omega red literally i i don't think you should have a whole tech team c- committed to omega red they should be monitoring the comings and goings of krakoa that's not how you should use Sage. I'm just so mad. This is just, it makes me mad about logistics in general. One of you go now. Taylor. Uh, I'll just say, I, I've said this before, I do like the comparison and contrast between Krakoa and the Vampire Nation. They made it much more explicit in this issue, but I like that Dracula kind of like compares himself to Charles Xavier. You know, like they have their own kind of, you know, rationale of like why they need to exist and why they can come into conflict with another. But I feel we just got to wrap this up at some point. Like that storyline, Brent? Yeah, okay, so uh, Ryan, you you triggered a memory. Uh, the There is always a part when you're watching those bad TNT movies or not great TNT movies, where it's like, you're like, come on, you guys really, really wrote this? This is such bullshit. And if for me, it's when, uh, what's her name, no personality, yeah. Uh, the, the vampire hunter is like, we were, you know, our, our leader betrayed us and all the vampires come in. And it's like, that would be the worst time to betray a group of vampire hunters is when they're all collected together. They are absolutely the most dangerous at that point. You pick them off separately. What are you doing, vampires? I thought that story was going to go and our leader betrayed us, but we ended up killing hundreds of vampires that day. Fuck you. This whole vampire thing should have been one issue. Maybe they're just really bad vampire hunters. It's just a bunch of normal people (laughs) showing up and they're just saying they're vampires, but they can't do anything. Maybe they're not really vampire hunters like Children of the Vampires, which is a new series that'll be coming out with Marvel in a few weeks, whatever. I do like the uh, what we do in the shadows vibe of their vampire hunting skill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's real all over the place. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Why are you sharpening that bottle of holy water? <laughs> to stab them in the heart. <laughs> well, Brent, I think I'm hearing something here. It's a news flash. All right, new stuff. A couple months ago, Marvel announced that it would be allowing people to vote on a character to join the new X-Men team. On the potential roster were Banshee, Polaris, Forge, Boom Boom, Tempo, Cannonball, Sunspot, Strong Guy, Marrow, and Armor. And the unsurprising winner was... The Terrorist Tempo. Congratulations, 
tempo, on winning. What do you guys think of the choice? Uh, and what do you think about how we got here? Brent, Brent, that's not who won. That is not who mean? won, Brent. Well, who won? Oh, oh, sorry. No, I didn't send you the most recent news article that I just let. Let me slide this across your desk real quick. Oosh. Oosh. Crumple. Polaris won. Yeah. Why would Polaris win? I mean, other than being the most uh, popular choice. I'm surprised <laughs> Banshee made it as far as he did. What do you guys think of the decision? Um, I mean, it makes the most sense. Just, I, I see, I always thought Polaris was like, not second rate, like, but just like, you know, a secondary or tertiary X-Men character. Not for not remembering slash hating the gifted so much that, you know, that TV show that was on Fox for two seasons. Yeah. That gave her like such a spotlight that people fucking love her now. True. Even though I thought the portrayal was good. It was one of the best things about that garbage show. But uh, so now suddenly she's being able to like literally they should probably knock these fucking people apart. The fact that on day one she was already like number one. It just uh, no one else had a chance. Um, number two in the real in the that was a real world. In the fake world, nobody else they would have had to stretch the reasoning behind anybody else winning within story. The fact that she won is clearly obvious. Most of the X-Men would have voted for her because they're friends with her. Most of the villains would have voted for her because Magneto is her father. Like everyone else has been like, how, how would they have decided who would have voted for Marrow and how would they have explained that? Who would have voted for Tempo and how would they explain that? Literally, this is the easiest possible choice for the writers to be like, oh, that's fucking done. Okay, great. That's a good Kaylin. point. Yeah, I um my 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 pick, the person I voted for was Sunspot, but I'm very happy with Polaris. And uh, I mentioned this on our Slack channel that even though Polaris has been around since like the late 60s, early 70s, she's rarely been on the main team. Like she was on the team for like a hot minute with Havoc, like when it was the original five and then it became the seven. Um, she wasn't really part of the all new, all different. In the 80s, like Malice took her over and she was part of the Marauders. You know, in the 90s, it was X-Factor and then a bunch of other teams. And then, of course, she's been on X-Factor Miss recently. So having a well-established, well-established, excuse me, legacy character like Polaris makes a lot of sense. And also having a representative of, from the House of Magnus being on the team, I think, makes a ton of sense in stories. So I, I think ultimately, uh, we're, like by the time this podcast comes out, we will know who the team is because they are, uh, are revealing it. Marvel's revealing it on Friday, April 16th. And I think there's going to be representatives from different parts of Krakoa on this team, because I, I have a feeling that Scott and Jean are going to find ways to be super inclusive of the entire New Mutant Society to, uh, to be representative on this new X-Men team. Brent, you have a question? Yeah, uh, you know, this was an election, but how much better would it have been if it was a Mutant Madness bracket challenge? We've <laughs> <laughs> been weeks and weeks of it. Um, Kaylin, you mentioned that it's going to be really smart since we're just doing now. Who do you think is going to be on the team? Just give me one person. I'm I'm thinking Moonstar, definitely. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, I, I think I, I think, can think of top of my head Moonstar. Moonstar makes the most amount, most amount of sense from the like the what is it the, the, the sex dance. Yeah, 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 like the New Mutants books. Um, I think they're going to have to pick somebody from the quasi magic realm, like slash other world. So Pixie? maybe Captain Brit could be Pixie. I'm wondering if they bring in like Betsy Braddock, like they put her and they like, she does double duty mm -hmm. with like, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> boo, boo. Maybe, maybe not. 
maybe not but um <laughs> still be, then, right. yeah um and then uh, god i'm trying to think what the what, other what is of one Krakoa. of the other realms you're thinking about right now in terms of like maybe like a street fighter or like a like a obviously you said magic we have not one of the street fighters it's not like a <laughs> yeah <laughs> not like yeah not not chun li yeah <laughs> yeah what would be another necessary means i for can't it? even I'm remember trying, the other ones now I, i'm trying to think of all the other parts of krakoa and yeah. um you know like based based on the on kind of on the books i mean you've got like bar sinister you've got um you know, I mean, I don't think one of the Hellions will be on it, but I, 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 want, um, I want Blob to be on the team. Right now, all mm -hmm. he's doing is serving bar. Yeah, that's a, I mean, but that's a lot. That bar seems very uh, positive. Everyone loves yeah. it. Yeah, but did you see in, the, in some of the previews, he did hire a new uh, server because there was someone else serving a drink recently. Oh, so there you that, go. Then he, so then good on him. him. He got he's on the team now. I do think there will be a reformed villain, though, on the team, and I don't know who that is yet. I bet there's more than one, yes? I hope yeah. it's not Omega Red. No. Oh, no. I'll, <laughs> I'll fucking... I'll kill all of you and this podcast if Omega Red's on there. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. So starting in July's X-Men Legends number five, Writer Peter David will be returning to write an X-Factor storyline featuring Polaris, Havoc, Wolfsbane, Strong Guy, Quicksilver, and Multiple Man. And they're going to be accused of kidnapping people. Uh, Peter David wrote the beloved X-Factor runs in the 90s and aughts. Do you think there is something for him to add to this iteration? And how much of a risk do we face of him, Claremont? Zero percent Second. chance. Zero Absolutely. percent. Okay. Caleb? I, when I first heard this news, I was happy, but I, I was kind of hoping that it would be like the X Factor investigations rather than like the kind of the government team. But if he can finish the story he wanted to tell about the legacy virus in X Factor, I am all for it because he wanted to, like he had this whole idea plan. It was too controversial for Marvel. Like he left the book and it became... Uh, you know, like a pale version of itself. Uh, so if he can do that, I'm I'm very happy with it. Brian? Ooh, bitch, agree. Because uh, it, in terms of him not living up to some of our legacy writers, he's been writing pretty consistently uh, and keeping up with the Joneses quite often because he wrote well far past some of these like, well-known writers throughout the X-Men runs were not necessarily writing anything anymore. And he's surpassed a lot of them, I would say. I think he changed with the ages pretty easily um, in terms of his writing style and also his character voices. So I do not worry about this run at all. Um, but yeah, that would be amazing if you went back to the Legacy Virus because that became a cluster at the end, honestly. Truly. Clark. All right. What do you think? Mark, do you got something on Peter David? No, I mean, I, I'm no, not really. Just going to say he's been doing stuff for Marvel still. He's doing the last two miniseries of um, Spider-Man Black and Black and Back. Yeah, Back and Black. And then um, <laughs> the Maestro Hulk that's going on right now in two miniseries. Right. Well, we look forward to reading it. Um, so uh, Aquaman 2, which is supposed to start filming this summer and will be released in 2022, has added Pilo Azbek 
I hope I pronounced that right, who played Euro, the actor who played Euron Greyjoy in the Game of Thrones series. He is cast in an undisclosed role. Obviously, he's going to play a villain, but I want to talk about the casting because previously we've talked about how weirdly specific typecasting can get. And I want to know, how do you guys think you would feel to be typecast as the Shakespearean ocean-based megalomaniac type? And <laughs> if you were being aggressively typecast, what designation do you think you'd get? I think, you know, in like rom-coms where you've got the gay best friend who's like a stereotype of gay people, and then they like have like extras that are their friends. I'm one of, I'm typecast as one of the, those extras, the gay best friend's friend. Taylor. Yeah, you're very extra. Uh, but for me, I think I would be typecast in a Mike Shore type comedy where I'm the straight man, like a la, like, uh, like Adam Scott's character, like Ben or Chidi, uh, where I'm just like, the world is absolutely chaotic around me and my brain is just going to explode at any moment and I what, can't figure it out. Caitlin, what's one of the lines one. you would say in the movie? Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, um, uh, stop doing that, Ryan Crawl. That's my line. Oh, uh, yeah. Played by Laura would, Dern, yeah. He yeah. would do the, <laughs> yes. uh, that, that uh, Jim stare at the camera, but instead he's like staring at every single individual character Furious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I have mine. Okay, so um, through, throughout movie history, you'll always see like a character that's, you know, uh, like drunk woman number three at the party. Yeah. Um, so not, maybe, maybe she doesn't even get a line, but if she gets a line, she's going to play it up to the extreme, being like, I'm not sure. I think the soft hot dogs are over there and just like do that <laughs> yeah i think and then so people will be like what was that about? like just but and then move on and that's my acting style as well okay like you're literally you're literally uh in 40 year old version if y'all remember that movie mm-hmm. the woman who is the actress is uh it's actually um the director's wife and she's the one who's like gets super drunk at the bar makes uh steve carell drive the car home like wants to get French toast, you know, they've like Missy Elliott's playing in the car. You're that woman, Ryan. That's you. That's a little bit too long of a role for me personally. I want more of a cameo, but I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I definitely <laughs> think that as a speaking role, as a part of your contract, you'd have a writer that would basically say, must always be holding a glass of white wine. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was acting, I was always cast as like, the secondary romantic lead. So, you know, there's always like the main couple and then there's like their best friends who get together just because. Yeah. Because they need, that's, that was always my role. Um, I am, I was Horatio twice in, in Hamlet. So it was always just like the pal. I was love, never the lead. Anyway, not as important. <laughs> nowadays, I feel like, you know how when you're in a, you see a movie and someone goes to a mental institution and you always see like, the person next door to them you see like the little bars in the screen he's just in a straight yeah. jacket just kind of like shaking back and oh forth. yeah, yeah. Oh. i think that's I just my watched, i just watched a uh, shutter island for the first time and oh, yeah you would be great I, I, i'm that i'm that old woman whose hair is falling out well not no, no, no. With the right wig you can't the, the whisper thing yeah 
Do, do you remember the episode of The Simpsons when uh, Flan, uh, uh, Ned Flanders has to go to the yes. uh, to the home because he like he loses his mind? Yeah. And when The Simpsons go visit him, they see uh, Jay Sherman, the critic, where they had that one crossover episode, mm-hmm. and he's yes. just there. It stinks! It stinks! It stinks! Clark, that's you. I just think of that everything stinks all the time because I think of um, I'm Prune Tracy. Fuck you, Dick. Or you know, like <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, Dick yeah. Face or whatever it was. Yeah, now I'm Prue and Tracy. Now I'm Hammerhead. Yeah, I love that episode. It's so good. Let's Who do you revisit. think Adam would be? Oh, uh, Lady is, Adam is Lady gay best friend. Oh, I was going to say cadaver in a car crash. <laughs> Hopefully, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! What well, he luckily he doesn't listen to the podcast, so we'll be fine, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's revisit one of our our staple segments. All right, this might be stupid, uh, or possibly, I guess, the rumor mill, or maybe we should come up with fun uh, some other fun segment name. Um, all right, so there's a rumor out there from that hashtag show that says there is an unannounced Disney Plus anthology show anthology show for Wolverine in the works. That hashtag show uh, has apparently been correct before. But that information is coming from comic book resources, so fruit of the poisonous tree. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of us are over Wolverine, and rather than gripe about how tiresome it could be, what are the, some of the ways that this could work, and how could it help introduce mutants to the MCU? Um, or do you want to just gripe about how, why do Wolverine? Caitlin. Um. I just thought of this, so this isn't completely fully formed, but um, there, you know, Marvel had um, a comic series called What If, and they're doing an animated version of it later this year. One of my favorite issues as a kid was what if Wolverine were an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Um, and, you know, instead of joining the X-Men, Nick Fury convinces him to, like, come be, like, one of his agents, and, you know, he ends up taking over S.H.I.E.L.D. I almost would like to see Wolverine in kind of in that role like he was always there kind of in the background like Nick Fury knew about mutants and knew about him specifically and brought him in to do like off books like you know like black ops type type work and like him doing that kind of stuff like stuff that like a regular shield agents wouldn't know about uh and then you know almost like in a Sharon Carter-esque way like once shield fell like what he ended up having to do uh, to like kind of like stay alive and stay, you know, uh, stay off the grid a little bit. So it's a little Sharon Cartery, but um, that's, I think, a one way that they could do it. Right. right. I, I like that. Um, instead of focusing on Wolverine so much because he's going to get his own movie at some point, he's going to be in the X-Men. He's going to he's going to be in the Avengers. He's going to rule the world. But like uh, if you had a Weapon X program series where each week and because you can do so much with these Disney Plus series. So each week is a different uh, like uh, weapon one, weapon two, weapon whatever. Each single one is and then maybe have a Captain America, maybe, maybe have like one week where you actually get Steve Rogers back or something like that. But and then you can tease a little bit because people are still going to be annoying as fuck and want Wolverine and everything. So just have a little piece of him through all of them, but then act, but you get a character story from all these different weapon 
like throughout the different like series of like years. I think that'd be kind of cool. And also it would switch up the format a little bit more to not, not make all these Disney plus series. So formulaic, you could jump in time pretty much like easily, which I think would be kind of fun. Clark. No, I was just going to say there are a ton of characters they can bring in that way. The Weapon X has purposely brought a lot of them. Yeah. Obviously, they can't do Venom because Venom is part of Sony, but Venom is part of the whole Weapon X. Freaking Man thing is part of Weapon X. There's this group called like Beast Force or whatever the fuck it's called yeah. that are just weird animal robots that are part of it. it, it, it <laughs> there's a bunch of weird shit they could just throw in there. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, the WandaVision did a very good job of opening the door a little bit more on mutants being included so that you could have some mutants who their powers were very fully formed like Wolverine and we don't need to like have to explain them now. They've always been around, but kind of secretive. And then there's a bunch of mutants whose powers were amped up post blip. Um and you could have like fill out the world like, oh, this is why we see so many afterward. Um, all right, last segment, uh, Clark, uh, I think you've got something and uh, I guess we should uh, listen to what you have to say. And watch guess out. So. Uh, I was wrong, it's called Brute Bad Force. Choice. Okay, so tomorrow, meaning by the time you guys listen to it, it will already be out. So I guess watch it on HBO Max if the reviews are any good. Um, Mortal Kombat has a new movie that hasn't happened in like what 15 years and the other two were shit so hopefully this one's better than that shit but anyways I have been playing these games since forever since this is a different version of my boy camp boy scout camp story this one is a lot less um offensive but we would whenever we'd have like boy scout camp when we were younger we would always end up not doing anything boy scout campy and doing the things I've already talked about and then doing like just playing games on someone's video console or something, or we just go to the like the nearby arcade and just play. Um, but I asked them to do ahead of time. We I asked you guys to do ahead of time is come up with three characters that you are your favorite characters. I know Brent, you didn't know a lot of them, but um, and just kind of tell why you like them, and I'll go into why like uh, the extra point after the fact. So let's start with Brent since. He wasn't yeah. sure. So I was basically going off of uh, looks and then reading a little bit of their bio. Perfect so I, I liked Aaron Black. He is a liberal Texas Western guy with a gun. And I know he's liberal because he wears a face mask. Uh, there's Cyrax, <laughs> who is a cyborg, awesome, assassin, awesome, who looks like Bumblebee the Transformer, triple uh-huh. kill, perfect. And then Jade, uh, because she started out like she dressed, she dressed like she was an eighties, uh, dancer in a Whitney Houston music video. Um, she's fast and knifey and looks like she has a lightsaber. Okay. So pause. Um, we have to vote on which one of those three we think Brent is. Oh, so Brent, give, give the brief description of what they are. I already know what their personality and stuff is. Aaron Black is the uh, Texas guy, Texas gunman. Cyrax is the cyborg assassin. And Jade is fabulous and knifey. All right. What do we think he is? Fabulous and knifey, Texas guy. Texas. Texas. Liberal Texas. Texas. Yeah. Enron Black. Hands down. Yeah. 
All right. Enron Black is what I'm calling him. Yeah. Perfect. So you want to give you want me to give my three? Yes, please. So uh, uh, going back old school, uh, Raiden was uh, one of my favorites because he looked so much like one of the characters from Big Trouble in Little China, one of my favorite movies when I was growing up. Uh, it's so fun and irreverent. And then I just recently bought Mortal Kombat 11 on the Switch because it was on sale. And I haven't played a Mortal Kombat game in like over 10 years. I am uh... very bad at it. I'm very, very bad at it. So, but like, so these are two newer characters that I uh, really like gravitate towards. One is Devora, who is like <laughs> basically like the insect queen. Uh, it's very like aliens, like meets like Beyonce. Cause it's, you know, it's like, she's got her little like beehive. Um, Deborah, and then as her mom says, yeah. De- oh yeah. <laughs> or De- De- Debbie when she's being, you know, amorous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then Scarlet, who I've mostly been playing, uh, mostly because she looks like a little vampire-y. Uh, and I like like the way some of her powers work, like her hair like turns into like this one long like spear type thing. Uh, so those are the three that I would pick. Uh, well, think- De- Devorah is most well known for betraying everyone all the time. Oh, is that her backstory? That's her basic, she's a piece of shit. Yeah, um, oh. so oh. that's you. So you're that one. I could see. Wait, is, that the, is that the insect one? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I think that I could very easily see Kalen biting off someone's head after he mates with them. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Ryan, what, what are you thinking? Um, okay. So I'll, I'll go more classic. Uh, Scorpion, because get over here, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, Katana, because gay. You know, yeah. like you always wear a clack and a fan and shit. Yeah. And then Goro, because okay, I remember back then being like, wow, what a cool visual design, which is basically <laughs> a, a big guy man. <laughs> with multiple arms. And I was, oh, I was dumbfounded by it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, there they are, y'all. I, I, yours is fairly obvious, right? Based on, I don't know, the fans that were just going on Brent's end. Uh, Okay. Well, he's Katana, right? I actually, I actually want to revise mine because I think, I think it should be Scorpion because I can easily see you just like sitting on a couch and then you like use your Scorpion powers to like grab your drink, but it spills all the way across. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a box wine and it just smashes through it and (laughs) and goes everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think it's Scorpion too. I think it's Scorpion as well. I think it's like, hey, get over. Hey, get over here and it's usually like you like you like you reaching out to like chase your boyfriend or like one of us just like hey come over here and i'm like i really don't want leave to, me alone yeah <laughs> yeah i don't want to do another shot ryan crawl <laughs> all right so mine um we just talked about katana mine is melina so yes. same kind of thing except for her face is just like a tarkatan just like chunk of monster teeth and she just screws everyone over all the time, and she's a piece of shit, but I love her. Uh, number two is a character that is so lame, but I love him. It's Rain. Um, he was created because, whatchamacallit, Ed Boon, the creator, likes Prince and the song Purple Rain. So he's a purple ninja, <laughs> and his name is Rain. Um, I anyways, I like the fact that he was such like a waste of space until um, number eight, maybe. And then suddenly he's like a demigod. He's like the sum of the, ma- the major god of the whole universe and blah, 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 blah. So I always like when someone gets a like major sto- major like plot point out of being a nothing character. Um, and then Sindel is 
as you were just talking about, like, she's Katana's mother, just like the queen of the queens in here. And just she screams all the time and whips her hair around and she's fucking great. So which one am I? I, I, I... Hmm. I think that the novelty of Rain, you know, I think if I could just say, like, you're the backstory of Rain, rather than, <laughs> like, the character itself, like, you're the no, genesis that's, of, yeah. That's fun. Yeah. You're what, right. was, what, was, what was the third one again? Sindel. A mom character. I don't really I think you're, that. I think you're kind of like Sindel. You've got some maternal type instincts. Like, you know, no more wire hangers, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, we already picked Rain, yes? Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with okay. That. okay, so the, the final thing we're going to do is I told you guys to pick a character that is not a, um, a um, Mortal, Kombat Mortal Kombat character. Also, I don't, didn't mention it, but don't do DC Universe either because, you know, they already had a, a, a series with them. Um, but so fucking change it if you did. And so any kind of IP character ever, from any weird series, any TV show, any movie, any book ever. So, Brent, we went first with you. So, let's do first again. I didn't pick the artisan from Kill. I think he'd be a fun character that would have, like, he might be pretty good, knifey, stabby, and have one knockout move that's, like, fucking devastating. Wait, Brent, explain him quickly. And so, what Kill uh, Lock is. So the Kill Lock is a graphic novel we read and reviewed. You should check it out. It's a great uh, graphic novel. And our, is, our review of it is even better. Um, it tells the story of no, no, don't worry about that. who are uh, locked together in a murder thing. And one of them is the artisan. He is like a super smart designer robot who's like built better than other robots of their species. But he's also really psychotic. So okay. that's that. Caleb. I would pick uh, Okoye from the Dora Milaje nice. uh, as one of the characters. And, like, you know, she's got her spear and just that absolute sneer that she's got after she does a fatality. She's just like, this is still beneath me. I just killed you, but this is just disgusting. I don't even want any part of this. And I want to see that on the video game screen. Ryan? Um, I guess I would choose a Waluigi that just took a super soldier serum. <laughs> okay. Uh, just to see how that pans out. He's, he's fairly skinny and uh, probably third tier in terms of favoriteness. And, um, so, I love yeah. so I think he's got some one, agents. Sort the, of one, the one thing I was thinking of when I was thinking of this is that you want to choose a character that you are willing to see be murdered over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And I decided I chose um, Steve from Blue's Clues, you know, the guy in like the different green stripes. But in this version, he's kind of like he's schizophrenic, but also has the ability to manifest these purple and blue dogs that actually go. And then they're the ones who murder people. And if he gets killed, you know, he gets killed. OK. All right. Final final thing. Brent, how would you um, fatality slash murder um, Kaylin if you were in a fight? <laughs> is it me or is it Errol Black? Aaron Black? No, it's you. Is it me? Oh, it's me. It's, uh, it's I almost superior Mortal Kombat. I think it. I think I'd have like something, some stupid novelty thing that comes out. It's like a like a cast iron pan that like I hit like multiple times and it like lifts Kalen up in the air, but it's always on his face and it just shatters his glasses every single swing. 
Is it because I've never seen a pan in my life? And you're like, I'm, I'd be like, what is that? Yeah, that's actually exactly it. <laughs> All right, Kaylin, how would you murder me over and over again? Oof, uh, my God. Uh, I think I would take like a like an old school like rotary phone and I would just take a cord and I would just strangle you that way. That sounds so nice. Classic. Oh, that's classic. nice and poetic. Yeah. That's like uh, how like a 1950s spy would murder someone. <laughs> exactly yeah yeah dial m for clark yeah all right um how would i kill ryan how would i you? think i would just get i would get like a donkey to come in and <laughs> i want you to start petting the donkey so, adam yeah, Katari, so I, just got watched, it. I just watched the movie circus um where uh oh, should i lost the name in my, in my head you know who plays the tramp in the um, old movies but anyways um this donkey absolutely hates him so every time he sees him he just starts wildly kicking and like i just want this donkey to just start kicking him in the testicles over and over and over again until he just like decimates them to nothing like dust to fucking ash and just gore was this all a build-up for you to tell ryan that (laughs) (laughs) i get it hey i get it yeah (laughs) ryan i think you have to kill me ryan kill Frank, please okay so what i would do is i would gather so many of your loved ones, so many people uh, that you find inspiring in your life. What would you do with the other? What would you? Where would you get put? What? No, fuck it, I fucked it up. Never <laughs> um, and then I would inject you with a serum that made you not able to tell facts. And so, all these people would walk into a room, a gorgeous room, and uh, that they paid for for to have you here to just answer a few questions, simple questions. Um, and they would do a series of questions to you and you're not able to give off any of the information much like now you're not allowed to talk Brent. I know you want to, um, uh, and you're not allowed to say anything. So they eventually get frustrated and they go, okay, well, I guess, oh, I guess you don't know. Uh, I just, well, I, I paid a lot of the, this, a lot of money for you to be here, but uh, okay, fine. No, it's fine. And you ref- and it looks like you refuse to talk to anyone and you look bored too, which is just even worse. Um, and so, so all these people saunter out of the room, angry as hell at you. And your brothers are there watching it and loving so it. So is the KO that I kill myself or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How does he die? <laughs> of loneliness. Uh, you die of loneliness. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, hey, it's a slow burn, but it still gets you guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> No, you're like, it's like 80 years in the future. You're like at like a retirement home and you're still angry about it and you just remember it and then you just die. That's how you die. This would be the longest cut scene in a game. It lasts Mm -hmm. for 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. I do love the fact everyone else is like 10 seconds and then you just have to like slowly (laughs) die watching it yourself. So then how do, how, how does, how do any of us, or maybe all four of us, how do we kill Adam since he's not on? Well, well, well. I told you he no, died in that car accident. Ryan, Ryan wants to answer these questions. He already mentioned it, so we'll do that next week, and we'll just kill him next week. Right. Maybe we can all okay. come up with a way to murder him. That's great. But I anyways, love that. Well, I like that. Watch, uh, maybe watch HBO Max's Mortal Kombat when it comes bitch, out. Bitch, okay, we got we got a promotion. Hours, so we should promote it. Obviously, you know what I mean. They they sponsored this podcast, so we should actually promote yeah. it on HBO. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we've been Homo Superior. You can find us on Twitter at Homo Superior X and Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. Uh, rate and review us, uh, but, but really only if you like us. Uh, and fuck you if you don't. 
Uh, we've been Homo Superior. And join us next week when we'll have Kaylin, Clark, Ryan, Brent Wingate, and the cadaver in a car accident. I missed Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> we 